Well, here's an interesting note I got this week. Hello, Mr. Miller. I find myself not reading your emails that come to my email account weekly or listening to your podcast because it forces me to think about how I really need to step out on faith and start living my dream. All right. If you don't want to think, if you don't want to grow, if you don't want to achieve, you don't want to go to a higher level of success, you can stop right now because we're going to dive into that right here. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, this is where every week we take about 48 minutes or so to talk through how you can grow, change where you are, move to higher levels. You know, I, I know that's true. If you're listening, if you've been a listener for any period of time, you know I'm not real content with the status quo, not just keeping things the way they are. If you're new to 48 days, it's because I think you can change your life dramatically. I just did an interview early this morning from a gentleman in England where we talked about that. He asked me, you know, why 48 days? Well, I still believe that's adequate time in which you can change your life dramatically. That's the distinction that I have in the marketplace. I'm the guy who says you can change your life in 48 days. Well, we're going to be talking about that and more right here. Here's some of the questions we'll be unpacking today. Dan, I know that I do not want to continue down the path I'm on because I'm tired of waking up sore from the stress-filled sleep I'm currently getting each night. Something has to change. Here's another one. I'm 39 and I'm embarking on a college education for the first time after being a stay-at-home mom for the last 15 years. In the field of graphic art, how much will my age affect my opportunities? Here's another. I'm eager to quit as soon as possible because it's so depressing, but I don't want to jeopardize my financial stability while I pursue freelance illustration. What should I do? And another one, I hate my job so much it depresses me. I feel trapped and my attitude at work is costing me opportunities. I try very hard to not think negatively. I need my income, but I want out badly. Now, I'm going to start today with a story that's going to lay the groundwork for what you do if you feel trapped. It's a poignant story from my buddy Andy Andrews. And it's going to set the stage for the initial thing we're going to do. Now, I've got a quotation for you. I've got some good news. We're going to deal with these questions. I'm going to end up with five questions for you today. Five questions where it'll address everything that I just mentioned here in terms of questions. And if you identify with any of that, if you want change in your life, I got five questions for you. And it'll walk you right into the next season of your life. Our quotation comes from Greg McCowan, who says, reading a book is among the most high leverage activities on earth. Now, this is from Greg's new book that I just read titled Effortless. A few years ago, he wrote a book that was extremely popular called Essentialism. This is his newest book, Effortless. But he says, reading a book is among the most high leverage activities on earth. Now, if you think about that, I mean, for an investment of just a few bucks and a little bit of your time, you know, depending on how fast you read, it's going to be five or six hours to read a typical book. You can gain access to what the smartest people on the planet have already figured out. I mean, it, it helps you understand and distill down 
and condense the time frame. I don't want to have to learn everything just by going through experience. I want to learn from people who have already gone through those experiences and then distill down the essential ingredients to make your own success grow. I mean, there's nothing to which I can attribute anything that I've been able to do well more than reading books. That was my outlet when I was a little kid. We didn't have radio or TV, but my goodness, I went to the local library and I read. I was attracted to the books then, like the old Horatio Alger stories, Rags to Riches, How People Did It. Still drawn to those kind of stories. But keep in mind, books can open the door for you. Our resource today, speaking of which, is 48days.com slash worksheets. Now, some of the questions address where can I get a business plan? Where can I figure out, you know, how to do this? If you go to 48days.com worksheets, that's the back end. That's the cheat sheet. That's the resource that I reference in the new version of 48 Days to the Work You Love because it has templates for, you know, resume, job search, introductory letters, business plans, and a whole lot more. Hey, one other quick note before we jump in here. Uh, Joanna and I are going to be discussing the principles by which we've maintained and grown and thrived in our marriage all these years of being an entrepreneur. We get a lot of questions about that because things are less certain. They're less structured, less predictable when you're doing something on your own. So we're opening up our Monday mentor call this coming Monday. That's going to be June 21st. So depending on when you're listening to this, hope you can still get in. But if you go to 48days.com slash open house, you'll see that and Anybody, even if you aren't yet a member of the 48 Days Eagles, you can jump in and join us for that call. All right, now here's my Andy Andrews story. He talks about the U.S. Standard Railroad, the fact that the railroad ties, the, well, the, the rails are four feet, eight and a half inches wide. Now that seems like kind of an odd length. Why would it be that? Why isn't it a, you know, three feet, five feet, six feet, something that would be kind of standard, easy to know? It's four feet, eight and a half inches. So he started doing a little bit of research. Why is that? Why is it that distance? Well, he discovered that before railroads, we had tramways and the tramways use the same measurements as wagons because wagons were used prior to them using the same spacing, same distance. So the railroads use the same distance as the tramways. The tramways use the same distance as wagons. Well, why did wagons have this weird spacing? So Andy explains that if the wagon wheels had had different spacing, it would have torn up the wheels because they were using the roads made by the English. Well, the English made the roads here in America, yes. And of course, you guessed it, the roads in England had ruts that were exactly four feet, eight and a half inches apart. Now this, you know, seems odd. Why were those roads such a strange distance rather than some standardized unit of measurement? Well, he did a little bit more research and he discovered it was the Imperial Roman Empire that built the first roads in England. And those are the roads, same roads that are walked on today. If you go to England, we've been there uh, several times, but if you go some of the... um, back roads out in the country, the roads are really narrow. And uh, you think, well, you really think this is a one-way street. If you meet a car, you just have to kind of duck off into the bushes. It's pretty interesting, but they're very, very narrow. But it was the Roman war chariots that were the ones that made the initial ruts in England, from which we then got our wagons, trams, 
and railroads. So we're backed up all the way now to the Roman war chariots. And so then in England, they made their wagons the same distance as those. So it wouldn't tear up the ruts were already made by the Roman war chariots. So the distance we have for our most sophisticated transportation system comes from the distance of the chariot wheels from the early Roman empire. Now this is kind of indicative of just doing things the way they've always been done or just because someone else says that we should do it that way. Now look at the things that you're doing in your school, business, health, relationships, beliefs, and so on. How much of it is based on just the way it's always been done? Now a lot of things in this space have led to a lack of innovation, a lack of creativity and finding better solutions because we just do it the way it's always been done. I mean, what should we question about the way things have always been done? Are there really better ways to do that? Just because something has worked in the past doesn't mean it's going to be the best solution for the future. Look at what the pandemic has done. I mean, the pandemic has created massive blows to education. It'll never be the same. I mean, it used to be that if you wanted all access to all the information, you know, documents, books and all that, you had to go to a university to get it. That's where they had it. Well, that's not true anymore. I mean, a kid who lives on the streets in Nairobi, Kenya, if he has an iPhone, can access all that same information. It's changed. And what the pandemic did is allowed people to see, I may not have to go to a campus. I can access. I mean, I took a course last year from um, uh, Lori Santos, and she's at Stanford, and she teaches a course on the science of well-being. I took that course. I didn't go to Stanford. I didn't go anywhere. And I could choose the best professor in the world teaching that content from right here where I live. Same thing happened to how church is done. I mean, churches suffered a massive blow in, in how they're doing church. I mean, it used to be that People were out in the field all week long. And then on Sunday, you all come together. You clean up, come together to the church to see each other, people that you hadn't seen any other time. Well, that's not true anymore. You know, we interact in so many ways. We're connected all the time. We don't have that same kind of unique need for coming together once a week. Church is going to change. We're just going to change how it's being done. The world's changing in so many ways. I mean, now is a perfect time of opportunity to explore, to create find better solutions for how things have always been done. Now, there's a funny end to this story. And Andy had to go all the way back to those Roman chariots to find out why the distance between wheels ended up as we know it today. You know that distance? That distance was just wide enough to match the rear end of two war horses. So here we are today, hundreds of years later, everything that needs to be shipped, I mean, moving the space shuttles out to the launch pad, sending equipment through a tunnel or over a mountain, that transportation system is all based on the size of two horses' rear ends. So here's what I want you to do. Don't allow people to just say, well, that's the way it's always been done. Let's change it. Let's think differently. I mean, if you own a business and don't question the way things have been done, you're headed for obsolescence. If you're in a job, you've been there for five years and nothing's changed, we have a real good prediction of what your life is going to be like five years from now. If you don't like, if you're doing the same things today you were doing five years ago, someone else is likely to overtake you in the marketplace. Okay, now that's setting the stage because so many of these questions today address the idea of I'm just stuck in what I'm doing. 
I'm trapped in what I'm doing because the income is great or whatever it is. I'm trapped in what I'm doing. Well, if you feel trapped, you're going to just be stuck in doing the way things, the way that they've always been done. All right, a couple of good news things here. We'll jump into those crazy questions we got coming up. This is one about U.S. prisons being repurposed. I, lo- you know, I love this kind of thinking. I'm always looking at old motels. What could be done to maybe change that into housing for people or change it into shared office space? You know, there's all kinds of, I I love the idea of repurposing old things. We've talked about repurposing coal mines where they're a great environment for growing plants, other kinds of things. Well, this is what's happening to U.S. prisons across the country. They're being repurposed into homeless shelters, farms, movie studios, so it's, it's no secret that U.S. prison populations are declining. There's, there's multiple reasons for that. The easing of drug laws has made massive changes where people aren't being locked up for 10 years because they smoked a joint. Um, also, we're just seeing better living conditions. So poor people aren't getting trapped in those self-defeating things that end them up in prison. So there's been a real downsizing of prisons. In Connecticut, uh, since... 2008, they've reduced by 50% their prison inmate population. 50%. So here's some of the things that are being done. Now in Gainesville, in Florida, they turned a prison into the old Gainesville Correctional Institute into a new homeless shelter. And so they already have a massive kitchen. I mean, think about the plumbing's already there. They've got all these individual uh, spaces where people can stay. So since 2009, they've served 750,000 meals. They've seen 1,500 residents rehoused. They've serviced more than 15,000 homeless in the area and have reduced chronic homelessness in the area by almost 40%. So they do offer medical care, financial, but it's a very efficient way for communities to take care of the homeless rather than just rather than other support systems being drained to take care of them. I love that. Wow, some of them are being turned into farms. In North Carolina, they've taken a couple prisons and turned them into to farms where they can take low or take a at-risk youth and veterans, people who are struggling and have them farm, teach them the skills, grow things, teach them the benefits of growing together, taking care of animals, all those things that have great benefits. Well, in uh, Staten Island, there's a prison that's been turned into a movie studio. It's a 69-acre waterfront campus, and so now they're doing movies there. Well, those are just some of the things that are being done to repurpose the use of prisons. I hope you are thinking about that. Think about what is it in your neighborhood? We've talked about the old Quonset huts. used to be used by the military. There's a whole lot of them that are vacant, and there's people who are now turning those into, they tend to be like 90 feet long. So there's just one big open space, but the structure is there. People are turning those into housing units, like three apartments, and then a shared space as well with gardens around it. But be thinking about, put that on your reticular activator to be thinking about things in your community that you see that could be repurposed into other productive uses. Talked to a gentleman in who's very active in our 48 Days Eagles community this month. His name is, or this week, his name is Steve. He went through my Eagle's Nest um, several months ago. Golly, it was toward the uh, 
toward the beginning of the year. I think I did that maybe in January or February. And it was titled, Will It Fly? And I had groups for people who wanted to hit their first $1,000 a month in their business. People wanted to hit their first 5000 And people wanted to hit their first 10000 Well, Steve was in the 10000 group. He does balloon animation where you, you know, twist a balloon and make a octopus out of it or a monkey. You know, you see those kind of people standing on the streets doing that. Well, he started that business just to have a business for his son to do. His son grew the business, then his son went off to college and Steve thought, wow, I kind of miss not doing that. He decided to do it anyway. And so he looked at, is there a way he could really do it where it's more than just a hobby? So we helped him shape some ideas helped him look at the possibilities there. And he started dreaming about having a $10,000 month. Well, I also challenge people in that group. Once you hit a $10,000 month, you're going to see that a $10,000 week is possible. Steve called me just this week. He says, guess what? I just had a $10,000 week. He does balloon animation. But what he did and I may have him come on to tell his success story, but what he reached out to a couple people that I connected him with, Lee Lentz, who's a magician, who went from doing birthday parties at 100 bucks a piece to doing $15,000 day events for corporations at conferences. What he does is helps in their marketing, and what, and then also Steve contacted Jesse Cole, who's the outrageous guy, wears a yellow tuxedo, and he owns the Savannah Bananas, a baseball team in Savannah where they went from, took an old stadium that was getting two or 300 spectators for games with a minor league team, and he has just a, a low-level team that he has there, and he sells it out, 4,000 seats, sells out the entire season in advance. Jesse Cole. Well, Steve reached out to a couple of those people, those guys who are doing extremely well in creative endeavors, learned from them as well, and he realized he needed to change his balloon making from just being seen as entertainment into rather seeing it as marketing. And that's exactly why he just had a $10,000 week. He did an event for a university. It was really marketing for them, not just entertainment, but in that generated $10,000 a week. Congratulations to Steve, again, one of the active members of our 48 Days Eagles community. He bills himself not as a balloon guy, not as an entertainer. He bills himself as an inflation animation engineer. I mean, how cool is that? An inflation animation engineer. That's what he does. All right, this comes from Brian, another just kind of a, a good news note. Brian's a listener, says, uh, I wanted to tell you in, in 2014, I was out of work. I've listened to you since you started the podcast. Wow, that would have been back in 2006. It's a long time ago, 15 years ago. I remember you telling the story of the man who took his lunch and sat in an office every day until the company hired him. I've always loved working in the print industry. I still do with this niche business I've set up. Well, I went to a print shop in town, asked if they were hiring. They said no. I left my application and went back the next week. And the answer was still no. And I left my resume again. I went back for six weeks. I left my resume every time, and sometimes I would even mail it to them afterwards. The last time I went in was actually the first time I ever met the owner. She said that they had just said the night before that if I came in again, she was going to hire me. Well, it turns out that was the first outside hire for the shop. Up to that point, they'd just been hiring family. It's been mutually beneficial for all of us. Well, again, golly, I love, to, love sharing your story with us. You know, that, that's a very effective method. 
you might think, well, that's going to be you know too persistent or get annoying to people. In the early days of Dave Ramsey, I know several people that got their positions that where they're now extremely successful, and that's exactly how they did it. They just showed up. Dave says, "Well, I, you know, I can't afford to hire you. I don't have a position." But well, that's okay. I'm just going to start showing up. You just show me what needs to be done. I'll do it. I mean, I could name some names of how people ended up division heads having started in that way. Bob Goff got into law school by doing that. He was rejected over and over and over again. He didn't have the grades, didn't have what they were looking for in law school. He started just showing up. He did that. He literally did that. You can read about it in his book, Love Does. I think it's in that book. But he just started showing up. And ultimately, they said, well, what the heck? Let's give it a shot. And he got into law school and, of course, became a a very well-known, very famous, very um, very uh, rich attorney. All right, let's go into some questions. Joel says, I'm struggling to get started making the changes that I need to be satisfied and fulfilled. I know that I'm not satisfied with my current job, even though the money is great and I'm able to provide financially for my family. I never thought, like I never thought possible, I'm not a part of my family like I'd like to be. The stress and negative environment sucks my energy so that by the time I get home, I have nothing left to give. I listen to your podcast in the morning on my way to work and I'm looking at online courses, passive income. I've wanted to write a book for 30 years, but I have either let people talk me out of it or I've not put the time into doing it. I have so many ideas, I don't know where to start. Does a book lend credibility to a coach or or course? If I'm looking to build multiple revenue streams, then which one should come first? Should I form an LLC before I start this endeavor? Says, I know I'm setting myself up for a sales pitch, but my faith in myself actually following through makes me very hesitant to invest any money in myself at this time. I know that I do not want to continue down the path I'm on because I'm tired of waking up sore from the stress-filled sleep I'm currently getting each night. Something has to change. Thanks in advance. Well, your question, Joel, is part of why I started out with the Andy Andrews story. If you just keep doing the things that you're doing, you're going to be in the same place five years from now. I mean, actually, that's a really good predictor. I tell people a lot of times, you know, I can tell exactly where you're going to be five years from now. All I have to do is listen to what you say and watch what you do. And if I do that for about an hour, I have a pretty good prediction of where you're going to be five years from now. So again, don't feel stuck. And I can imagine you having a desire for 30 years and never taking action on it. Does a book lend credibility to being a coach or an expert in any particular kind of field? Absolutely. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. But again, recognize your sense of unrest as a motivator to do something. Now, the fact that you say in here, you don't have a lot of faith in yourself because you haven't followed through and you're unwilling to invest in yourself. Wow, you've defined your own version of being stuck. And if you believe that, if you let what you hear yourself saying there be true, then in fact, it is true. You've got to break that cycle. You've got to take a risk if you see it as such, although it really isn't. I mean, the, the risk is in staying where you are and letting it destroy you. You know, speaking of writing a book, I just got my book manuscript back. I'm working on a new book that I want to have out in August titled An Understanding Heart. Well, I'm, I am pretty comfortable writing. I mean, I've written a um, bunch of books that are out there, and um, I enjoy writing. 
And I think I write pretty well. I sent the manuscript to an editor. And really, I could have just submitted it. My, I mean, my editor, I mean, my publisher would take anything that I give them. But in wanting to make it really good, I pay for a copy editor to go through it. Well, I just got it back. So the book is about 65,000 words. I had 9,552 corrections and comments. I mean, that's pretty mind-blowing to me. But then I start going through it, and it's like, well, yeah, well, yeah. Okay, why did I put that comma there? Well, yeah, I used the wrong word there. So it's those kind of things. But I had 9,552. So I'm going through those right now to accept or reject. And, of course, 99% of them I accept because they're rightfully done. Anyway, just part of the writing process. Not the part that I enjoy, incidentally, but a necessary part to producing something that has quality when it comes out. Well, here's a note from Brenda who said, I'd like to start submitting articles I write to magazines and newspapers for publishing. What do I do to protect the content of my work and make sure I get paid for it? Brenda, I've got kind of a harsh bad news for you. You will never establish yourself as a writer with this mindset. I mean, I have written for hundreds of places over the years, for which I was paid nothing. But that writing positioned me as an authority in this career and business space. So that now when you look up, you know, 48 days or anything related to that, you're going to get a ton of content because I'm the guy But I got there, not by demanding payment for every word that I wrote, but by writing generously, giving it away to any place that would print it. You need to see this in a longer scope. If you want to establish your, I mean, just writing, to be paid for your writing, that's never going to work. I mean, you can write for a magazine and spend a lot of time and you know, get paid $200, but it, you're never going to make a living. Don't look at it. Look at it as the means by which you're going to establish your, yourself as a writer. So do you want to take those articles ultimately and put them together there as your own book? You know, or are you an expert in a particular kind of field so that you could write a course on that or do a seminar or start an online membership group. You know, there's got to be something that it leads to. But to just be paid for your writing, you'll be frustrated. It's never going to happen. Well, with that good news floating around there, let me just jump in here and catch my breath and remind you these are real-life questions coming in from you, the listeners. I'm honored to get those. If you have a question, just shoot it into me at askdan at 48days.com. Now, if you have a success story, you know, Joanna was talking to me about this. She said, why don't you have these people with success stories leave their own story in an audio format so you can share the real audio of the person sharing, which is a great idea. So if you got a success story, uh, just go to our podcast link, 48days.com. Any place there, you'll see the little microphone pop up. Leave your success story. Uh, make it no more than three minutes long, um, and I'll share it here to share with other people. So I'd be delighted to, to hear from you in that regard as well. Well, here's a dear Dan. I'm writing this early on a Wednesday morning, hoping to catch you before you pick out your questions for the podcast. I've become an overnight success 20 years in the making. I've always said that if I tried enough business ideas, that one day I would finally find the one that catches, kind of like dragging an anchor. Well, I snagged something. I started a side hustle last September. And by March, I had to leave my full-time job because going to work was costing me money. 
Sounds great, doesn't it? Well, it is. I have my dream job and enjoy my work, but there's one thing that keeps giving me problems. Now, check this out. My mind keeps waiting for the other shoe to drop. We have a great business and a healthy one. How does a business owner who has become successful keep this fear of the bottom dropping out from taking up his attention? Oh my gosh, great question. But here's what you have to, and it's not complicated to unpack this. When I was just a teenager, I somehow got a hold of the little 33 and a third RPM recording of Earl Nightingale, where he talked about the strangest secret. There are six words in there that have framed my thinking every day since that. Foundational to everything that I do, then and now all these years later. Those six words are, we become what we think about. What you expect becomes your reality. If you think the other shoe is going to drop, you are really setting yourself up for that exactly to happen. Now, here's what, here's what I want to encourage you in. Don't think that somehow life is going to have to balance your success with an equal amount of failure. I mean, that, that's not the way life works. I mean, you may hear somebody talk about that, the yin and the yang and whatever. No, you can have a whole lot of successes without a whole lot of failure. Now, if you have failure, that usually teaches us something. We move on from that. But don't expect it. Don't open the door for it. Believe me. It'll try to find you, but don't think that life is going to balance this out, that you're due now because you've had success, that you're due some failure. No, look at what you've done. I mean, you're different. You took action that most people never do. You separated yourself from the crowd when you did that. I mean, you're on a different path. I mean, the the line we have on our homepage of the 48days.com site is, the best way to predict your future is to create it. You decided to create the future you wanted. That's exactly what you've done. Now, I'm going to put a link to The Strangest Secret. And what I would suggest is that you listen to that every day for a week. Just make it a week. Seven days that you listen to The Strangest Secret. Now, I'll put a a link to a YouTube there. It's very easy to find. I mean, just put in The Strangest Secret. You're going to get all kinds of sites that that have it there. But but make sure it is really Earl Nightingale talking through The Strangest Secret. You listen to that, it'll change your thinking. It'll remove this cloud hanging over you that somehow, because you're so successful, you think that failure is going to show up. Get it out of your thinking and keep going like you're going. Congratulations on doing what you're doing. All right, Wendy says, I'm 39, embarking on a college education for the first time after being a stay-at-home mom for the last 15 years. In the field of graphic art, how much will my age affect my opportunities? You're 39? Jeez, it won't affect you at all. Just just be good at what you do. I mean, if you're in graphic art at this point, people are going to assume you've been doing it for 20 years. Let them think that. Just prove that you're great at doing it. I mean, people are going to respond to your level of competence, your level of excellence, your level of creativity in graphic art. They don't care how old you are. Not going to affect you at all. Got a note here from Steve. 
says, I'm doing quite well. Last year, I grossed over $120,000. I'm truly blessed to have the job which I have, which is in a software consulting business. I've often heard that I could go out on my own and do much better than working for a company, which I currently do. However, my main concern is that I'm the only breadwinner in the family, which consists of a wife and four kids, and I have great benefits in my current job. I hear that healthcare is outrageously expensive if you have to foot the bill by yourself. What would be your recommendation for my situation? I'd love to be my own boss and make more money. I'm just a little hesitant to lose what I currently have. Thank you, Steve in Atlanta. What I would do is, is not jeopardize what you have now, but experiment with the 15-hour model that I talk about so much. 15 hours where you take, and I, if it's doing your own software consulting business, that's fine. I mean, it's, it's a, a hot market, a lot of prospects out there as customers, but just do it 15 hours a week. When you get to the point where you're generating 50% of your current income, in your case, that'd be $60,000, where you're on track, so you're, so I mean, you're generating $5,000 a month in your 15-hour side business, then you would have my encouragement to look at making a full transition to go out on your own. Because you know, if you're only spending 15 hours and you're generating 50% of your current income, chances you're on a good trajectory to be confident that in adding the other 40 hours, you're not working. And actually, you wouldn't want to do that. You'd want to go back to just 40 hours total on work. But in having that additional time, you surely ought to be able to not only replicate, but supersede, bypass the income that you're making now. But do it in that way. So you transition, you create a transition plan rather than just stopping and hoping that things work. I worked with a young gentleman this this week, really neat guy, a new member in our Eagles community. He's 30 years old. He paid for one of my power sessions, 45 minutes, $500 just to talk to me. We had a great session together. Now he's currently making $100,000 base and then a $30,000 bonus. However, he's in financial management, accounting. Here's one of those situations where things have always been done the same way. His grandfather was an accountant. His dad was an accountant. His two brothers are accountants. Guess what he is? An accountant. He took accounting in college. He's a high eye on the disc profile. He's very, very creative. He likes change, challenge, variety. Likes being around people. Those characteristics do not describe the typical accountant at all. So he's in something where he's proven his ability to do it, but he's bored out of his mind brand new job. And he's already thinking about cutting a trail. And I said, well, don't do that. You know, don't, he's also newly married, three months married. And I said, don't do that right now, but start with the 15 hours a week. And we got some ideas. They're not related to accounting, but other kind of things that he's really a candidate to do some really fun things that I hope to be able to report back on. I said, start with your 15 hours a week. Just do that. Then you can make the transition out of what you're doing now. All right, this one, uh, Dan, after listening to your podcast, I built up my courage to pursue my dream career illustrating celebrities. At the moment, I'm working in a stressful atmosphere, doing administration in an auction house. I'm eager to quit as soon as possible because it's so depressing, but I don't want to jeopardize my financial stability while I pursue freelance illustration. What do you suggest? Well, again, don't sabotage what you've got going right now but use the 15 hours to do your celebrity illustrations on the side. I mean, that's a cool kind of thing. A few years ago, 
Joanna and I went to a party and there was a, a guy doing caricatures there. His name is Tracy Latham. He's out of Nashville. He had read 48 Days four years prior to that and inspired him to go into his business full time. And what he does is go to events and he does caricatures. Now, what he found is that if he just did, you know, kids' birthday parties, again, it'd be, you know, 50 bucks and you know, free birthday cake or whatever. His rate is $125 an hour with a $250 minimum. And so he does primarily corporate events where they pay him. And frankly, they usually have him for like four hours at a time, which would be $500 rather than just an hour, rather than even his minimum. So it's usually at least four hours. And so he'll go do that, you know, a couple times a day or whenever he feels like it. Uh, I asked him some questions, you know, if he, did he go to school for this or is he just naturally talented? He said, I went to school to delay adulthood. I'm naturally lazy. Uh-huh. Uh, I asked him if he does other kinds of art because he's very good. He says, only as time permits. He says, my mother is still waiting for that oil painting of ducks on a lake. Well, you can check him out incidentally. Uh, go go check him out. You know, if you're interested in doing illustrating celebrities, I encourage you to check out. And you can find Tracy at NashvilleCaricatures.com. NashvilleCaricatures.com. Love what Tracy does. He's been doing it a very long time. Very, very successful, well-known in doing that. You can do the same. And incidentally, if you're listening, you need a plan for your creative dream. I talk about Tracy and other ideas like that in No More Dreaded Mondays. No More Dreaded Mondays, one of the books that I released a few years ago now with Random House out of New York. Um, No More Dreaded Mondays, they gave me a, a monstrous advance for that book. Been around a little while, but continues to do well. I'll put a link to that in our store. You can obviously find it there. I mean, it's 12 bucks for the paperback version of that. No more dreaded Mondays. Well, a couple more here. I'm self-employed. That's a good news. The bad news is I really dread what I do. I've had two career paths evaporate from under me due to market conditions and company closures. So I went into business for myself. Now I'm faced with long days, customers who won't pay on time or at all. And I'm physically worn out from performing the work. This is not what is supposed to happen. Help. Well, you're exactly right. That's not what's supposed to happen when you go into business for yourself. Now, here's the thing. Having gone into business for yourself, This may not be your final business. I mean, most entrepreneurs go through three or four ideas before they find the one that they really land on that works well for them. So just be realistic about that. If this business has you faced with long days, customers who won't pay on time or at all, you're physically worn out, look at some new options. Make a list of, do do my 48-day plan, you know, This is enough time to assess where you are, get the advice and input of other people, narrow down to three or four ideas, do a little bit more research on those, choose one and act. This may be a time, I mean, this is exactly why the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics shows that people who start businesses, you know, four out of five fail in the first five years, all those kind of stupid statistics they come up with. Well, the reason those businesses aren't around is because of exactly what you're asking here. You started a business, it's not what you want, you quit. You don't go back and beg for a job, you start another business. I and mean, we see that all the time, all the time. I mean, the, I, and I had a bunch of businesses before what I'm, what I'm doing now. I mean, I was in all kinds of things, you know, health and fitness center, 
you know, recreational vehicle rental, used car sales, auto accessories. I mean, I had a bunch of things that I was doing before I got into the selling advertising, a little product that I came up with selling advertising door to door. Just see this as a stepping stone. Don't feel trapped in what you're doing. Don't think that you have to tuck your tail between your legs and go back and get a job. Just see this. What have you learned from this? And what new opportunities are you seeing now that you could move into that would be more effective than what you're doing? I mean, I've helped guys who are mowing yards. Well, it's not doesn't require a whole lot of distinctiveness to mow yards. You can run by Home Depot, buy a lawnmower, and be in business this afternoon. What is it that you see that your customers may need? They may need gazebos or a really beautiful stamped concrete sidewalk or a water feature. And so we see people moving out of a very common business into a very unique business because they develop the skills there and they see the need there. And then they are in a category of one. That's what you need to look for. Well, and then this one, hello, Mr. Miller, I find myself not reading your emails that come to my email account weekly or listening to your podcast because it forces me to think about how I really need to step out on faith and start living my dream. I'm going to start my own business in 2021. So I need to know if a business plan, if I need a business plan to start my business. Um, yes, you do. I highly recommend that. Highly recommend that you have a business plan. If you go to our resource for today, 48days.com slash worksheets, you'll be led right into that. You can just open it up, work through that, take two hours. You can work through a business plan, all the essential ingredients in there to flesh out your ideas. And then one more here and we'll wrap up. We had kind of a stream of these this week. I hate my job so much it depresses me. I feel trapped and my attitude at work is costing me opportunities. I try very hard to not think negatively. I need my income, but I want out badly. I'm not good at making friends and would rather work in a position that I could work at alone. Any suggestions? Well, you cover so much in your, what, one, two, three, four sentences there, so much that it's impossible to impact all of that. But I'm going to send you a brand new copy of 48 Days to the Work You Love. I address all those things. If you feel trapped, your attitude at work is costing you opportunities, you're trying to not to think negatively, need your income, but you want out badly, not good at making friends. Oh, yeah. I mean, please, please, please. I mean, you owe it to yourself. I'm going to make it real easy on you to send you a copy of the new 48 Days to the Work You Love. I mean, that's the foundation for a whole lot of the success stories we hear in here where people went through and realized, oh my goodness, I don't have to do this. I'm not trapped. I mean, I had a guy who was a, a bread delivery driver. He'd get up at 3.30 in the morning, deliver bread. And he started listening to my podcast. And then he started, well, he got 48 days to the work you love. I mean, today that guy makes multiple six figures in the work that he's doing. Has a high school education, never went to college, but he figured out a niche that he could leverage. He felt found the optimism and the confidence and the belief and being able to do that, walked into that, and totally transformed his life. Moved from Minnesota to Hawaii. Anyway, a whole bunch of other things there. But I'll send you a copy of 48 Days to the Work You Love so that you can break the cycle of what you're describing here. All right, now I'm going to end with just a question for you. Five questions. Five questions that I want you to kind of think through that will kind of summarize what we've covered today. Number one, What are you willing to change in what you're doing now? Again, if it's nothing, 
you're not willing to change anything, then your life is going to continue as it is. If you're happy, I'm happy. If you want something to be different, what are you willing to change and what you're doing now? Number two, where is there an opportunity in the thing that is causing you stress now? A lot of times it's right under our nose. It's a solution for what's causing us stress. Number three, what do you think about in the first hour of the day? That sets the stage. Again, what you believe, what you expect, what you anticipate is likely to occur. What do you think about in the first hour of the day? Number four, do you have a plan for the life you want to start today? No plan, no destination, no target, no goal. You'll be what Zig Ziglar used to call wandering generality. So do you have a plan for the life you want to start today? And then finally, number five, this is real simple. What book are you reading right now? If you're reading none, ooh, I cringe. You're not accessing the wisdom of the ages. You're not accessing the simple principles that have been narrowed down for you to take advantage of the experiences of a whole lot of bright people. So those are the questions. Again, what are you willing to change in what you're doing now? Where is an opportunity in a thing that is causing you stress now? What do you think about in the first hour of the day? Do you have a plan for the life you want to start today? What book are you reading now? Hope this has been helpful, encouraging. I love hearing your stories. Keep sending those in to askdan at 48days.com. We'll be back here next week again to unpack more questions from you, the listeners. I resist having guests on. I get 30 to 40 requests a week for people to come on. And once in a great while, I do that. But I'm so intrigued by the questions you all ask. It makes content... It makes content... It makes content that is far more interesting than what most people can bring to the table. So thank you for that opportunity, for the honor of receiving those questions. And thanks for being part of this community where we know without any doubt we can find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable.